everyone who's listening out there. I am Jessica Semisol, podcast coordinator for CFRC 101.9 FM. And today we have a special guest sitting here with me on Zoom right now is Rachel Miller, Sam Song, and Daniel Shee from Queen's University Chess Club. They will be participating in the Canadian University Chess Championships, which will be organized by Queen's University and McMaster's University. This event will be taking place on January 16th and the 17th. Rachel is a woman international masters and a candidate master with WGM Norm. A highlight in her chess career is being the youngest ever national woman champion of Jamaica at age 14. Sam is a national master and some highlights in his career is that he is a three-time national chess champion, the founder of Sam's Chess Club, and has represented Canada as the official player at numerous international chess events. Daniel is the president of Queen's Chess Club. He has been playing chess since he was in the fifth grade and has always found it to be a great pastime and hobby. Recently, he has enjoyed organizing the online student chess events, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, as a way for chess players to continue to interact and to have fun. Hi, Rachel, Sam, and Daniel. How are you guys doing today? Doing really well. Doing good. Good, thank you. Good, good, good. Amazing. So to start off, Rachel, how did you first learn to play chess and at what age? So that's a funny story. Um, I basically started in grade four and back then I was in Jamaica in elementary school. And the thing is, is that when you're in grade six to Jamaica, you have to take this national um, exam that decides which high school you're going to go to. And since we follow the British system, um, the high school you're going to go to is the one you're going to be in for eight years. So basically, you have to choose which high school you're going to go to and then afterwards is university. So when I was in grade four, um, they were introducing a new chess club to my elementary school. And since I was going to take the exam in two years, my parents thought that if I did chess, it would help increase my scores for the exam and help me get into a good high school. At first, I was very hesitant to play because I thought chess was a game for nerds. However, I tried it out on the first day and I really liked it and I ended up playing it for the last 12 years. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, Sam, where did your love or passion for chess come from? Yes, so my passion for chess has came to me when I was five years old and that's when I started playing. Um, as a kid, I was attracted to the black and white board and the different shape pieces. Since then, I've really never stopped playing after being so attracted and <laughs> to to the to the game. Wow. Um, now this is a question for everybody, whoever wants to answer. Is this any of your first times competing in the chess championship? If not, what are you looking to do differently from your past experiences in the championship? And if it is your first time, what are you looking to bring to the competition? Oh, oh I can start. So uh, this is not my first time competing in the chess championship. Um, since I came to Queens um, in 2018, I've played in the championship twice previously. Um, we, the team that I led in, in, for, in my first year of university, we actually came first in the reserve session, which is an accomplishment that no other Queens chess club or chess team has um, accomplished before. Um, our second term was not as, uh, not as great as the first one, but I believe for this year, we will do a lot better since, uh, um, since it's completely virtual and then we have a great turnout for the tournament. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, this is also my um, third time playing. I played twice beforehand, um, one time when I was in first year, another time when I was in third year. Um, I remember in first year, one of the highlights was that um, we played like Carleton University and they were ranked a lot higher than us on the standings. However, we were able to beat them, which I was really proud of. Um, in the third year, um, I was with, I was playing with Sam, so that was back then, and it wasn't as good as you said beforehand, but we are hoping to come back even stronger this year. Yes, amazing. Daniel, yes. Yeah. So for me, actually, I've been playing in the Canadian University Chess Championship for a long time. Uh, in my undergrad, I actually played all four years, and then uh, this is actually probably my seventh, yeah, it's my seventh term uh, time going to uh, this tournament. So I've been there a lot of times. Obviously, I'm not a master or like, you know, like really super good at chess like Rachel and Sam are, but uh, of course, I've, I've always enjoyed playing a tournament and seeing people uh, from different universities. I think this year, in, how, in terms of how it'll look different, is it'll look very very different because obviously it's in a virtual online format so we're more focused um, this year on uh, <clears throat> sort of the, the turnout of our players and uh, we're going to be relying on that for a chance that victory like Sam said. Yes and that kind of segues into my question for you Daniel. What are the protocols that are going to be put in place for this year's um, championship especially with the uh, COVID-19 guidelines um, that will be followed for this great event? Yeah, yeah, so for sure. So normally, um, uh, the, the, the chess room will be held at a host university, so that's always nice. Um, people get to go across from um, uh, all across uh, the country, really, to visit that host university, check out the campus and play. But this year, of course, in stark contrast, we won't be able to do that. It's going to be a completely virtual format. Now, uh, it does take away that in-person interaction, and it does take away the, the social gatherings, which we love so much, but it does offer some other advantages here, too. Because we are no longer limited by financial and logistical restrictions, we can actually to bring as many players as we want to the tournament. Anyone could sign up on a virtual format uh, to play on the online platform, which we've selected. And also schools, which we've never seen before in the tournament, are able to participate. So as uh, get to give you some insight into that, UBC will be able to participate because they won't be able to fl be flying over all the way uh, from the West Coast. And then there will be a, it'll also be Dalhousie University, it'll be MUN, uh, Calgary has also agreed to participate. And to give you an idea of the scope, uh, 22 schools have already signed up to participate. So this is probably the largest scale gathering uh, in a while. Um, yeah, so definitely those are, it's going to be a new protocol because it's online and it's going to be, of course, like uh, based on a website called Leeches. And instead of using uh, long standard games, which are normally played in um, uh, the in-person tournaments, we're going to be hosting uh, something called an arena where players play as many games as possible and they're a lot shorter. Uh, and then the overall number of wins or points will determine which team comes out on top. So the format's been revamped and the setting's been revamped and even the social aspect has been revamped as well because we've started a discord uh, to allow schools to still chat with each other and review their games after they've completed them. Wow, it's kind of like the Hunger Games. How <laughs> <I> you <used that. laughs> That sounds amazing. Um, Rachel, how are you preparing for this championship? What does the process look like now that it's different because of calls? So it is actually very different. Um, beforehand, um, before COVID <laughs> happens, so BC before COVID, um, I used to play in lots of tournaments. And that's basically how I always kept active in terms of balancing my university schoolwork and my chess life. However, because of COVID, there are no more in-person tournaments. So I have to switch my in-person playing to online playing, which is a big step for me because I used to not play online a lot beforehand. Um, I'm practicing now just by playing lots of games online on Leeches at the 10 minute and five second format. Wow, 
yeah, it sounds like you kind of have to do a lot of prep work by yourself almost. But I hope you um, win a lot of your games and help Queens get first place. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, Sam, with your experience being a chess teacher, what makes a great chess master? And do you think teaching chess is an advantage to your game? If so, how? Yeah, so uh, the answer to that question is that I do think that um, that what makes a chess coach not great but excellent is his motivation and dedication to his students. As for me, I follow the chess activities of my students everywhere since uh, my students are scattered across Canada and not just at one location. And I often assign them homework such as, you know, readings and chess tactics after class. I think teaching chess does improve my personal, my personal game. Now, similar to professors, teaching the same chess content over and over again will help with my understanding to the game. And uh, often that shows when I play in tournaments. Okay, so for my next question, uh, this is an open-ended question, so please, if anyone wants to answer, go right ahead. How would both of you describe your journey to, to the Canadian University Chess Championship? And what was it like? Or what is it like? Oh, okay. I can, uh, I can go first. I, I think my journey to the Canadian University Chess Championship was just astonishing. I think it was fun just having the opportunity and experience to travel with your team everywhere and then having that connection that we all have been playing the same tournament representing Queens is a huge pride to all of us um, playing the tournament. And... Um, uh, although we couldn't travel this year, but I think we, we still get experiencing of representing Queens at a national tournament. Yes, yeah, so um, it, it's basically like a lot of fun. Like Sam said um, beforehand, um, we used to have like lots of social interactions in person. Obviously, like Daniel said, it's going to be very different this year. But uh, beforehand, it was lots of fun just like connecting with the other teammates and analyzing chess games together and helping to boost like team morale. And um, our during the King Chess Champs is a lot different this year, but I'm looking forward to it. Great. Yeah, like uh, for sure, like definitely echoing what Rachel and Sam has said, um, the CUCC is a great time for uh, not only team building, but also interacting and making friends with other schools. Over the years, I've built a lot of friendships uh, with people who play chess at uh, different schools across Canada. And it's only at this event that I'll be able to see them uh, typically. So that's always exciting to go and catch up with them. Uh, and so, yeah, chess is really about not just the game, I guess, but also for me, at least, a lot of it's the social aspect, talking to players, learning from them, going over your games together. Um, so yeah, that's uh, why my journey to CUCC and uh, why I really like it. Yeah. Okay, so again, Daniel, as president of Queen's University Chess Club, how long have these University Chess Championships been going on for? And what is the prestige that comes along with winning or participating in this championship? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm not exactly sure when the CUCC began to happen, uh, but it is a long-standing tradition uh, that's happened, I imagine, since the chess clubs have been founded. Uh, some chess clubs like University of Toronto are well over 100 years old. So I imagine the CUCC has been an event that's been going on uh, since then. For From my experience, I've been going for the past seven years at least. So we can we already know that it's been 
well organized since then. And from my experience, uh, each school has been willing to offer themselves as hosts, and it's that tradition has sort of been tr moving around uh, each school. So that, that's great that people are willing to do that. In terms of the prestige, of course, um, uh, when there was the in-person tournaments, there was a, a large trophy for the championship divisions that had the name of the school and the winners uh, engraved onto it. So that always um, uh, was, was a highlight of the tournaments. And of course, there's photos that are posted on uh, the chess world. And it's, it's kind of a, a big deal there um, for a lot of these players in terms of the prestige. But of course, there's always the next year for another school to come back and change and uh, for the title to change hands. Yeah. And what are you, what is going to be happening now since you can't mm -hmm. accept the trophy in person? How is it going to be accepted online? Like, is there going to be a trophy kind mm -hmm. of shipped out or what's the process like that? Yeah, yeah. So that was definitely an, an interesting uh, barrier that we had to run into in terms of the prizes this year. Um, because the games aren't moderated uh, like they normally are, so every year we will call in a professional arbiter to sort of ensure that the games are played at the fair level um, and ensure that players are like they're not receiving outside assistance and that they're using the, the time long time controls. But um, uh, this year we won't be able to do that. We won't be able to have moderation because people will be online anyway. So we've decided not to have the trophy uh, go around this year. Uh, and that will be deferred to the, whenever the COVID pandemic has ended. Mm, okay. And lastly, what can someone who's never watched the chess championships before can expect? Uh, yeah, so, so I can go ahead and answer that. Um, uh, in terms of, like, are you talking about people who uh, want to tune in to the uh, online chess championships? And then if you've never played chess before, what, what can you sort of expect? Um, for someone who's never tuned in before and someone who's never played chess, how about both? Oh, both. Okay, yeah. So, like, so people who have who've, who've never played chess before, like, you can, uh, uh, like, like I would say, like, try, if you have a sense of the rules or something, um, you can expect, like, um, <clears throat> players to be playing, uh, thinking a lot of steps ahead. And, and I know that, like, that's something that seems obvious, right? But when you're playing, uh, when, when you're watching players of tremendous skill level play against each other, you'll, you'll begin to think, like, why are these players making these moves? I actually have no idea what's going on, because they're thinking so many steps far ahead. And, and some, that's the way I feel when I'm watching Rachel or Sam play, because they have a huge, massive plan coming out. So, so really, I would recommend to anyone who, who hasn't played chess before is to, is, to, is to watch the game and then don't, don't leave after you don't understand the first few moves because then the plan begins to unfold after let's say like 10 moves or something and be like wow they, they thought that far in advance and, and that's definitely how I feel about the masters on our team as well. Wow well thank you so much Rachel, Sam, and Daniel for coming on air with CFRC 101.9 FM to talk to me about the, your experience being competitors and participating in the Canadian University Chess Championships. Yeah thank, thank you for having us Jessica. Thank yeah, you. No problem. Um, thanks again for tuning in. I'm Jessica Somersault, and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Thanks for listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Hope you folks are all having a lovely Thursday so far. Just to give you an update, since we are into a further lockdown as of now, a second state of emergency, so to speak, as of this morning, 12.01 a.m., there are stricter COVID-19 measures that will impact city services. This 
emergency order is in effect for 14 days and the province will review it after this time. City Hall and the Payment Centre will be closed as of January 14th today. You can make your payments through online banking, through your financial institution and using the drop boxes at City Hall or at 1211 John Counter Boulevard. For taxation or other payments by mail, send a check to City of Kingston. You can find the information on the City of Kingston website at cityofkingston.ca. Kingston Transit Passes will not be available for purchase or renewal at City Hall, but can be purchased or renewed at other sales outlets that provide essential services. Payments for parking tickets or parking permit renewals can be made online as well. The city's offices at 1211 John Counter Boulevard will be closed to the public. However, all planning, building, licensing, and enforcement services will be continued to be offered by staff electronically or by phone. The Kingston Area Recycling Center Recycling Depot will operate 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. on weekdays and will be closed on Saturdays. The Leaf and Yard Waste Drop-Off will continue to operate on its normal schedule Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Outdoor recreation amenities, including public trails and playgrounds, will remain open. The Springer Market Square Rink will also remain open. Capacity limits will be monitored and users must practice physical distancing. Staff will continue to work with KFL and Day Public Health to monitor and implement best practices for heavily utilized services such as the Springer Market Square Rink. The washroom facilities in the lower level of City Hall remain open and any person who enters or uses an outdoor amenity must maintain a physical distance of at least two meters from the other person using the amenity unless they are part of your same household. City Council and Standing Committees will continue to meet in an electronic format. Meetings are live streamed and closed caption on the City of Kingston Council YouTube channel. Delegations are invited to participate virtually. The city bylaws enforcement team has the authority to issue tickets under the province orders for those who do not follow the guidelines. Residents are also encouraged to support local restaurants by ordering meals for takeout or delivery and to consider purchasing goods for curbside pickup or delivery from local businesses. For more information, you can always go to the City of Kingston website, as I said earlier, which is just cityofkingston.ca. We just hope that you folks are staying safe during this time. You know, limit your travel, only go out when you need to. Um, I know it is a little bit of a scary time, um, but you know what? We are all in this together. And if we get together as a community virtually and, you know, just mentally, I guess, um, we can hopefully help the KFLNDA region just reduce our cases and whatnot. You know, we have kind of stayed at a plateau, I would say, um, you know, within the 40 to 50 um, active case count for a little bit now. But hopefully we can bring those numbers down over the next two weeks and month. Um, so that way we can get back to some type of normalcy, whatever that may look like for us. Um, but don't go anywhere because we have another interview coming up right now with Joel Sindel, who is our campus news coordinator for CFRC and he is going to talk with two people on Queen's Players about their event happening this weekend so let's turn it over to Joel um, to have a chat with members of Queen's Players. Welcome everyone to CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm Joel Sindel and I'm here with Patrick Yun and Phil Fernandez. Welcome guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank for you. Having. Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Queens Players? What is this club? What do you guys get up to? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, Queen's Players is a, is a non-profit organization and we produce three student-written shows, um, which are mostly sketch comedy and rock shows um, per, um, per year. Um, as the oldest club on campus, we've been showing audiences a night to remember for over 100 years now. Um, a Queen's Players show is more than just a show, really. It's more like an experience. We like to describe it as a cross between Saturday Night Live, a rock concert, and a kegger. Um, our shows are an interactive blend between outrageous sketch comedy, electrical musical performances, and also a rock and good time. Uh, all proceeds from ticket sales go to charity, and at the end of the day, that's what we're all about here. Awesome. That's, that sounds like a great place, especially the part about uh, all proceeds going to charity. People... General, at least I like hearing about that going it going to a good cause. It's always nice to hear. Yeah, but uh, so I guess a question for both of you: What do you like most about working in theater and working for this uh, for this club? Yeah, for sure. So um, one aspect about theater I really like is just the collaborative part of it, um, especially when it comes to on on campus theater clubs. So you have a lot of people from different faculties and communities coming together. Like it's usually not just drama students. Um, often we get a lot of engineering students, commerce kids and whatnot so just everybody bringing their own experiences and kind of skills to this big project and the fact that we could show get to show it off to the public at the end it's a really great um good like it's a good rush that we get out of it yeah for sure collaboration for me as well um but one other thing is like there's this really fun like high and kind of like adrenaline rush you get when you finally get to have a show um put it in front of an audience and you get to see all of their reactions to it it's just like people are finally getting to see all of the hard work and, and uh, dedication people have put into a show and to get those live reactions is there's just like, there's nothing like that feeling. Yeah, that's definitely a great feeling having all that hard work paying off after working on a show for weeks or months. Uh, just having that, that reaction of the crowd is amazing. And also, you know, with uh, what Patrick was saying about how the, uh, the entire kind of community at Queens is able to come in. It's not just, you know, theater, theater kids and all that it's you know engineers and and other other types of students which is always great to hear because most people think oh like theater or, or performing that's just for people actually in that program but you say you have engineers and stuff which is which great because that's getting more more of a, a variety of people into your into your club so that's amazing yeah for sure and also now with um the whole pandemic situation like we've had to shift online now it's better. And it's thankfully with us Queens players, we're able to just kind of smoothly transition into an online format. Uh, we usually perform at the mansion on Princess Street, which is like a big, this is a nice bar. So, you know, now that we've shifted online, we've kind of lost that kind of connection with the audience a little bit. So it's kind of um, important that we as a team connect with each other as much as we can, because that's what we have right now. Going off of that, how has the shift to online uh, changed how you, how you run things at the club? Is there anything drastically different or is it really about the same? No, we've tried to keep um, the, the situation, well, not situation, rather, um, the process more or less the same. Phil, if you want to speak to that, since you're more, you have more of a hand in the creation process. Yeah, um, so I've never actually gotten to see a uh, players show in person. My first one was going to be um, Shohimian Rhapsody, which was the show that was um, shut down due to the pandemic. But um, yeah, the whole process is like, as Patrick said, it's incredibly smooth. The board has done a really great job um, making it as easy as possible for us. And yeah, it's basically we just kind of for for me and my co-director Callum and we get our cast together. We, you know, break up the cast into two groups. We write scenes and we share them at the end and then it's kind of that process for a little bit before we edit them and uh, 
yeah, and we basically just do that for a little bit, and then we have a show. Sounds like a fun process. Uh, not not too hard, uh, but it. I guess as you said uh, earlier, it pays off in the end for all the hard work that you guys put in. Mm -hmm. And going off that, you you have a show coming up uh, on the fifteenth and sixteenth. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um. Dr. Boost Clues, a community in modern times. Um, it's it's the third um, online show that Players is doing, which is pretty exciting. I don't want to say too much about it, but because uh, you know that's the fun in it. But what I will say is, for for this show, we kind of take a look at at where we're we're at Queen's University, and we're we're kind of dealing with the transition to online with our with our new dean, um, Mr. Craig Pelton from Community. And he, along with some new students, some new profs at the school are all trying their best to transition to online schooling, but it's not as easy as it seems. And there's also um, a little mystery appears at some point and we have to kind of deal with these two things going on at the same time. So, yeah. Sounds like a fun show, definitely. A lot of people will be eager to check out this Friday and Saturday, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, the link is on, it's, it'll be live streaming on YouTube. And if you follow and su um, subscribe to Queens Players on YouTube, you'll get notifications about when the show goes live. Awesome. Yeah. So check out the Facebook page and it'll be playing on your YouTube channel. So Patrick, do you have any other upcoming projects after this? Might yeah, not for sure. So this is our second show um, of the season. Uh, the last one we did was um, just aired in uh, September. So after this show is done this weekend, we're going to start hiring and kind of casting for our next online installment um the information if you want to get involved will be on our facebook page and on instagram so be sure to check that out if you want to get more information so i guess you kind of answered this earlier but if you could describe queen's players by three things what would they be uh it's both of you uh answer that one so i think definitely for me the biggest thing about queen's players is the community that kind of comes together uh, like i said before like we get uh, different people from different faculties and from different backgrounds and just seeing the bond that naturally kind of connects and all the cast members and all the team members is just really amazing. Um, for me, from the board perspective, it's it's like seeing like your children get along together, um, despite coming from like different backgrounds and from different perspectives. So it's kind of just like this one big happy family that we're creating and that's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. you, you really just took my community answer. I was going to say basically the exact same thing. Um, but what I will say on top of that is, like Patrick mentioned earlier, the experience that comes with the Queen's Players show. There's nothing quite like it else on campus. Um, it's absolutely insane. It's absurd. And it's so funny. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of hard work. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun to do that. And I, I guess you said three things. So I think the last part would definitely be the charity aspect. Um, the board keeps none of the ticket proceeds. Um, they all gets donated to um, various funds and initiatives at the end of each season. Um, speaking of um, charities, uh, charity applications will be opening at the end of March where um, different in initiatives and organizations can apply to get funding for their um, different projects and um, what whatnot. So also follow our social media to get more information about that when it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. So summarize what you guys just said there so you know charity uh you got that that charity drive coming up uh so people can also check that out on your facebook page mm -hmm. and also I, I loved your answer about the uh the community aspect of of uh queen's players because it's just 
it's a great experience to have you know as you said a family that's what a lot of people look for and you know a work environment or a club is just having that that close connection with their peers so that's uh, that's amazing to hear that you guys have that close-knit family over there yeah well thank you very much patrick and phil for coming in today it was a it was a great interview very insightful into a club that many people might not know of or wasn't sure if you were still on performing so it's good to know that you guys are still up uh move to online format well thank you for having us yeah thank you and thank you everyone listening in to cfrc 101.9 fm that was patrick and phil of queen's players have a great rest of your day folks Here's your weekly traffic report for the week of January 11th, 2021, brought to you by the City of Kingston and CFRC 101.9 FM. On Garrett Street near Division, it'll be closed until June 30th for construction staging. Local traffic may access Garrett Street from University Avenue. Some delays for the week, Glengarry Road, from Portsmouth to Indian, you can expect short delays and a possible lane closure as a contractor working on behalf of Utilities Kingston installs a new sanitary sewer and upgrades water mains. Grenadier Drive at Winfield Crescent, you can expect delays while construction takes place around the Kingston East Community Center site. Flagged people will be on site to direct traffic. On Highway 33, east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, expect delays due to construction to improve drainage. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Ontario Highway updates are offered by the Ministry of Transportation. Jackson Mills Road near the KMP Trail will be reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements but remains open in both directions. John Counter Boulevard from Princess to Indian, you can expect delays until the summer of 2021 while crews complete turtle fencing and water main work. On Princess Street from Victoria to Nelson, expect a delay at 7 a.m. to 5 p.m on Wednesday, January 13th to allow a crane to lift building materials onto a development at 652 Princess Street. Two lanes of traffic will be maintained. Grenadier Drive at Winfield Crescent, you can expect construction around the Kingston East Community Centre site. The sidewalk on the south side of Grenadier Drive may be restricted weekdays from 7am to 5pm. A flagger will be on site to direct traffic and assist pedestrians. Vehicles such as larger emergency vehicles and school buses are no longer to permit are no longer permitted to cross the Lower Brewers Swing Bridge. Parks Canada advises it has decreased the load capacity of this bridge from 10 tons to 3 tons. Built in 1984 to meet code for 10 ton capacity, it does not meet today's guidelines and structural deterioration due to its age has further decreased its capacity. Design work for the Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is underway and it has been designated for replacement this year. For more information, you can go to cityofkingston.ca slash road closures or see the City of Kingston's Twitter feed at City of Kingston. And that's it for your weekly traffic report. For traffic and other news updates, visit www.cfrc.ca slash news. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.